You're listening to a special Encore presentation of Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. Good morning, honey. It's time to start a week off with Scripture like we do every week. This is our Chasing the Word program for Compassion Radio. Welcome back to Psalm 12. We're going to wrap that one up today. It's good to be here. It's always good to chase the Word with you and see what God is sparking in our hearts. The ambition of chasing the Word each week, of course, is to maybe once in a while catch the tail (laughs) of this thing we call the Word of God. The reason we called it this is because we're chasing a person, not just an idea or a printed word. This is about chasing and catching up to where the living Word is going. The Word of God. Yes. So, we're into this book of Psalm 12. You know, last week we chose a theme which seemed a little, I don't know, maybe irreverent, but it was all over the psalm for me, and that was God of the hot mess. Mm -hmm. David just lets loose on God about things he thinks he's not doing or reminding God to do something that he's promised. He's very brave. Or to talk about the world as it is and say, God, what are you going to do about it? And this psalm seems to be absolutely in that category for me. Yeah, I agree with that. There's a lot in here that David is almost complaining about, but at the same time, he's crying out to God and just hoping that God will realize, do you see what's going on? Do you see what's happening here on earth? (laughs) You're you're up there in heaven. Look down and see what's happening among the people that are faithful to you. You know, there's a lot of theologians and literary critics over the centuries that have said, oh, these are simply rhetorical devices. This is the way a writer hypes up an idea to make it primary in your mind and then to unpack it and then reassemble based on their values or worldviews where they think Mm. we should go with it. Yeah, of course there's stuff like that going on here because he's got to be able to speak truth across generations and now across millennia to people who would be able to see the truth in it. But it doesn't mean that's like a Greek fable or something where it's just a lesson. David is living out his emotions here in a very real and raw kind of way. We have a bad habit sometimes of armchair quarterbacking. Of course. Maybe that's what you're talking about here, that that happens as we critique Mm -hmm. what's written, sometimes think that we are literary critics or whatever when we're reading scripture. Yes, we need to read scripture through the lens of this is where it happened and Mm -hmm. these are the people that were originally impacted by these verses. But then to ask God, how do these verses apply to me and how do they impact me rather than just dismissing them? At the same time, we can't end with that and say, it's only about me. Oh, no, no, no. A lot of people, unfortunately, get trained into approaching the word of God strictly as this is God speaking to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course he is. It's been said well before by other commentators that we need to remember that the Word of God was written to certain people, by certain people, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and for our benefit. Mm. The truth is the truth is the truth, but we have to understand what the truth meant and why it was said at the time. Mm -hmm. So I think it is helpful and honoring of God to ask him to allow our holy imagination to get perked up a little bit Mm -hmm. and to think in terms of how was David experiencing this and why did he write it the way he did? Mm -hmm. His personality is in here. I I imagine him as a young man with lots of energy and adrenaline in his life and being a warrior and a king and having close friends that were foxhole friends to him. Mm -hmm. His closest companions all through his life were those who had fought with him side by side back-to-back in difficult situations. He was the embodiment of the spirit of the time. And Israel was coming to life that was going to be a major power, not just a people that was hiding in holes. Mm -hmm. And so when he sees wickedness increasing, and that's what he's talking about in this psalm, he's seeing the melting away of the Israel that he knows that God has called him and his nation to be. Mm -hmm. Morally speaking, not just that they're physically able to put down any challenger, 
But spiritually speaking, there's no devil that can stand in the way when people are plugged into the power of the living God. Right. So if I want to choose a title for the theme this week, I would say, let's talk about the hiding faithful. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of complaints that David has in the psalm. They really all come back around to the issue of where are God's people? Yeah. So let's go ahead and read through Psalm 12 again. It's only eight verses, and then we'll talk from there. Psalm 12 from the Holman Christian Standard Version. Help, Lord, for no faithful one remains. The loyal have disappeared from the human race. They lie to one another. They speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks boastfully. They say, through our tongues we have power. Our lips are our own. Who can be our master? Because of the oppression of the afflicted and the groaning of the poor, I will rise up, says the Lord. I will put the one who longs for it in a safe place. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in an earthen furnace, purified seven times. You, Lord, will guard us. You will protect us from this generation forever. The wicked wander everywhere, and what is worthless is exalted by the human race. I like that this version highlights the thought process of those who choose to defy God. Mm -hmm. That phrase, our lips are our own. Who can be our master? It seems they're saying, no one's going to tell us what to say. That reminds me of a 19th century famous poem called Invictus, Mm. which was supposed to be a defiant response to, oh, Captain, my Captain Walt Whitman, talking about President Abraham Lincoln being the moral light for the country at the time. And Invictus said, to heck with that. It's me. I make these decisions. No one's going to tell me where to go. And if I have to go to hell in a handbasket, I'm going to go down on my own terms. That's the gist of that poem. And it became a very famous one. still is. And it's used to contrast those who would venerate the gentle, the good, the kind. In a lot of ways, the modern spirit of America, I would say, identifies a whole lot more with Invictus than it Mm. does with Captain My Captain. The idea of laying down or confessing that someone has won our heart to a position that we may not have come to without their leadership, without their sacrifice, without their moral compass. It's hard for Americans to say, we need that. But in the kingdom of God, we would say, we essentially need that. We're not even a people unless God himself laid down his life for us. But yet there's this Western capitalist idea that we are absolutely independent. Nobody tells us what to do. And that goes down to the worker, not just the person who owns the corporation. Right. At the same time, we get played. We think us independent, and then someone corrals us and uses our energy to their ends. And that impulse is right there in every generation. And I think David is tapping into that. He's yeah, seeing people that point. have assumed power mm-hmm. by avarice, by false pretenses. And yet they still ascend. Oh, you're going to tell me no? Who's the one that actually runs this show, folks? It ain't you. It's not just about those who have risen to power in this. It's about those who, like you were saying just a minute ago, it's about those who have assumed power of their own self and have refused to relinquish that power to an almighty God or to even any other authority. This goes to the lowest level and the highest level of of everything that we do. Even in our simple lives, we can assume that we are masters of our own destiny, that we are in control of everything. Truth is, we're really not in control of very much at all. We have to realize that in our own self. Maybe David is calling that out. He's calling out that attitude of, I got this, and I don't need anybody. I'm going to say whatever I want to say, regardless of who it affects or whatever. I'm the master of my own lips. 
therefore the master of all my decisions and my destiny. If we come to that conclusion, though, we have to ignore something really important, that our destinies intertwine with the rest of humanity. Our choices have effects, ripples or tidal waves, on all the people around us and people we have never even met can be affected by the choices we make in this generation. Think about even the war in Ukraine right now. The leader of Russia has made a personal decision to eradicate the government and the independence of a nation next to him and claim it for himself. But couching it in language of, this is the greater Russia, it always has been. The people of Ukraine, of course, object to that. And they're in a grand battle right now. And we're watching that in the world like it's a horrible theater in front of us. Mm -hmm. But yet we can't stop this thing from happening because of one man's decisions. And that has happened on this kind of scale in many generations. We're not the only generation that's ever seen this kind of aggression. Mm. It's not just the heads of state, like you say, the highest of the high that make decisions that have consequences, sometimes horrible for mankind. It can happen in families when substance abuse is not confronted and it unleashes their aggression and their rage. Mm -hmm. And then other people, especially children or, or spouses, take it full on. Mm -hmm. And then we as a society have to deal with the fallout from that. We have a foster care problem in America, especially, that is of incomprehensible proportions, really. The millions of children that can't be raised by their own parents because of the choices and because of the addictions that have not just filtered in, but flooded their families is astounding. Right. And yet it's real. And the church still, I think, ought to be taking the lead on this. How do we respond? We're going to have to respond with a whole lot of sacrifice and a whole lot of compassion. Mm -hmm. How are we going to see souls saved and bodies and families not destroyed unless people like us step in and say, we're willing to be the ones that are God's tool of kindness and of compassion and of restoration. Mm -hmm. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. You can mail us at the following address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California. 92877. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. People like us, we're willing to be the ones that are God's tool of kindness and of compassion and of restoration. Mm-hmm. That's just evidence in our own culture. Go back to David's time when he's writing the psalm. He's tapping into something that is fundamental about human nature. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about just evil, like we always want to say no to God. But in this case, he's saying, when it gets to this point, all the constraints are off. Those who have gone to a certain level say, whatever, I've made it this far and you're going to start telling me what to do now? People have grown very accustomed to their own agency and their own self-determination. Yeah. 
no matter who gets hurt, but even if you do get hurt, you don't count because you're not me. Yeah. It is basically a spiritual narcissism. Just as you said that, I was thinking this sounds a lot like the clinical definition of what narcissism would be. Someone that doesn't recognize any authority over them and says whatever they want. They flatter people around them. They get people to trust them. To finally do what they want. And it leads them to a place of complete dependence on this person. And David is saying here, God, you got to recognize this is what's happening. There is a whole level of deception that's going on here that I can't even call out enough for people to recognize. You're going to have to do something, God. Because no matter how many times I say it from my platform, they're not hearing it. Yeah, yeah. When the priest in the temple, which David is the kingly priest, says in line one, help, O Yahweh. (laughs) This is not a rhetorical device. Mm -hmm. This is the soul of David looking around saying, this has gotten out of hand. Yeah. Even I, as the king, can't put a stop to this. What happened? Yeah. And then God gives him enough insight and discernment to look around him to open his own eyes and then to, with his mastery of poetry, be able to narrate what he's seeing. And not just seeing with his eyeballs, but with his heart and with his mind. Attuned to the things of God. It tastes bad in his mouth and it looks offensive to his eye because God makes it possible for him to see things from his perspective. Mm So he calls it out. You and I talked last week about how it doesn't seem to end on an up note. Although in some translations, there's a bit of a hope note that kind of floats in there, like only you can and you will address these things. Verse 8 in the rawest language straight up says, Wicked people parade around when immorality increases among Adam's descendants. David is saying in grand terms here, people just keep doing wicked stuff when nobody else will stand up to them. That's pretty much it. Edmund Burke is also credited with the idea of wickedness increases when good men do nothing. That is the general thought here. Yeah. Well, we can see in our current situation in life that there's a lot of things that are worthless that are being exalted Mm. right now. There's a lot of things that are of not much value that are being valued very highly. And there is a dissonance there in our own minds and in our hearts. As believers, we see those things And maybe it feels a little wrong, but we don't know exactly why. Mm -hmm. And that's when we need to really settle in and say, God, what is it that you want me to see? What do you want me to know about this? Which we talk about a lot on Compassion Radio. And knowing, then David says, the Lord will guard us. He will protect us from this generation forever. And we have to know as believers, we have the power within us because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to resist these things. Yeah, not just to call it out. Yeah. So if we are having trouble reading our Bibles and trying to suss out the hidden or the, the gentle message in there that we need to hear, At least go to the Psalms where David's screaming it. Mm -hmm. You know, if nothing else, hear it at full volume. Psalm 12 is one of those places where it's so obvious that God has enabled David to speak it like it really is. Yeah. But not for the purpose of just spite. I never once see spite in David's treaties against evil. Yeah. He sees it for what it is, but always sees God for who he is and knows that he's calling us to be like him. And it seems like David always seems to have faith an exuberant faith that that will prevail. 
and not just at the expense of the human race, but to the benefit of the human race? Well, I sort of agree and I sort of disagree because I think that David often says, as he does in verse 3, cut off their lips, Lord. (laughs) So there is a little bit of spite in him in that sense, or there's a little bit of get them, God. And we see that quite a bit, I think, throughout the Psalms when David's just really pouring his heart out. And I tend to believe that as a warrior, David meant those things. He Mm. meant God deal with this swiftly and decisively on this. There is that level of get it done, God, for David. But I love also that David sticks right in the middle of this a promise from God. Mm -hmm. And he says, I will put the one who longs for it in a safe place. And that comes down to what is the desires of our heart? Do we really long for a safe place? And that is the message to us. Do we long for it? Kind of like Jesus saying, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. The world says all these things. And are you going to go the same way as that? Who do you say that I am? God's still asking that question in the midst of the storm because he has to kind of stop us Mm -hmm. for a second to say, let's get to the eternal stuff, the things that even in this noisy world, if we just stop for a minute, give ourselves one minute of Sabbath to stop moving Mm -hmm. and listen. God is there. And he's never stopped communicating with us. Even his silences that we feel can be very communicative. Mm -hmm. So he's there and he asks that question. Are you going to come to me or not? Mm -hmm. I'm still here. And no, it doesn't seem like God shouts that. He doesn't need to, really. He's got the entire universe to be his voice. Mm. And David, with the limitations of our same anatomy, has to speak it out in ways that he can get it out. We are too. If God has said, what will you do about this? Will you come to me? Will you tell the truth? Will you speak the truth? Will you hear the truth? He's calling out all of our senses. Are you going to use your lips, pucker them up, and purse them at those who would tell us that there's a better way? Are we going to wag our tongues at those and just be proud all the time? Or, like David's saying, are we going to be humble enough to say, God, save me before you have to cut off my lips or cut out my Mm. tongue? Oh, yeah. And admit that we are those kind of people or that we're becoming those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Are we going to let God put the brakes on somewhere and say, okay, switch tracks, new direction here. Where do you want me to go? And let him lead that so we can go to a safe place. Because <laughs> there's not going to be a lot of safe places in the middle of the road. I keep thinking as I read through this and through many of the Psalms that we've already discussed and will discuss, how David is so open and honest before the Lord. His words are not calculated. I think they're crafted, but not calculated. Right. But they're not thought out in a way that, oh, I can't, can I say this to God? Can I not say this to God? He's just pouring his heart out. He's pouring his his anger out. He's pouring his fear out. He's pouring his anxieties out. He's pouring his joy out. Mm-hmm. We see that all through the Psalms. But I really like how we are given permission to do that through these scriptures. It does seem to be a fruit of this. Mm-hmm. Now, I do wonder at times, did David really think that through? That he was leading us by example so that generations down the road, we could be doing the same thing. I don't know. It could be simply that he was as immediate and in the moment as anybody we've ever read in the history of the Bible. Right. Well, and if we believe that Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, you know, that's maybe God saying, I'm going to use these things. I'm preparing these things for those who will need them in generations to come. I'm sure of that. The Holy Spirit has been literally lifting up these Scriptures over centuries to resonate generation after generation to the point where... We couldn't not put these things in a codice together that Mm. says, this is it. This is the best that we've seen God do through humankind Mm -hmm. in all these years. This is the scripture. 
There's a lot of other great wisdom literature that's also alongside all the way back past David, yeah. all the way back to Moses, yeah. that was not included in what we call the Bible now. But there's something special about these scriptures that obviously have risen to the top. However God decided to assemble it over those years, it was shown to be and felt to be and experienced to be and revealed to be inspired Mm -hmm. over those centuries so that we can't avoid it. And I think God wants us to not avoid this psalm. (laughs) As angry as it sounds and as weird as it seems. And hopeless at some point. Yeah. So let's ask ourselves some questions that might be helpful today. Where are the faithful hiding or are there any faith? How would we go about answering it? Well, if you ask a question, you have to want an answer. If you ask an honest question, I would say, then you have to act. In what way would you act on that question? Again, if it's an honest question and you want to know the answer, the real answer, then you look for it and you go to places where the faithful have been known to be in the past. Find the local church. Find a local Bible study. Find a group that has been known to uplift God and seek the Lord. Jesus forward, Jesus first. Mm -hmm. When he talks about the wicked increase where the faithful stay silent, he's not limiting the geography. Mm. He's not saying this only happens in certain places or in certain media or in certain courtyards. He's saying this is the entire world. Like a slipping back to the days of Noah, where everybody was a god unto themselves and had a zillion gods to worship, and they were all very, very proud of that. And then along comes Noah and says, no, there is one god. In fact, he's going to show you something that you've never seen before and maybe the last thing you see. He's going to save through this boat the entire human race, but it's going to be a clean swipe. And that is a devastating story to me to read the Old Testament, that it got that close to us not existing as a people. I'm here because God was merciful to somebody else, somewhere way back in history. And I don't get the math of that, but God does. I don't want to presume that no matter what we do, no matter how we behave, no matter what we think about ourselves or about God, that it's not really going to make a difference. It's just going to happen the way it's going to happen. The wicked do that. They think there's no consequences Mm -hmm. to it. But I know, and I've seen this even in our own history, in our own lifetimes, there are plenty of people that have absolutely convinced themselves they're righteous. Mm -hmm. That in every definition of the word of God are acting wickedly because they have sidelined Jesus Christ and have said that he is not really the prime factor here, the great motivator, the great instigator of God's plan. Well, even if people haven't said out loud, there is no God or I am the boss of everything, by their actions, by their words even. By the fruit of their lives. By the fruit of their lives, they are showing that they have disregard for the laws of God, for the rules of God, for the love of God even. And love being the prime rule. I mean, there are plenty of people, I think, that do a really good job of following all the rules that they want to follow Mm -hmm. or think that other people should follow and maybe lead by example that Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And they're the most legalistic among us. And that eventually comes to a dead end. There's no real life at the end of legalism. And that's what Jesus made so abundantly clear. There's no way that life was going to triumph death on that path. So we had to show a different way, which was dying to self so that life can come. David is very concerned with God's presence. He doesn't want God driven out of this world. He wants to be with God in what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, I'm tired of this world. Are you not? But there's still a hope in him. Yes, he's speaking rhetorically because there's got to be at least one faithful person left on the planet. And if not at least one faithful person, at least one honest person. Right. Well, if you can't find another faithful person, you be that faithful person. Mm -hmm. 
you be the one to step up and say, I'm going to be faithful to God. Again, faithful to God means what, though? Some people might decide, people are wicked. I need to act better. I need to put on this facade of righteousness. Instead of letting God be our righteousness, we decide to make things right our own way with our own rules, Mm -hmm. which is just another way of doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, that's when we go and read the Beatitudes, what Jesus had to say about real life and real living. Yeah. And this is righteousness. This is peace. This Mm -hmm. is love. Yeah. And all of those things, this is the what is is. This is what is real. And this is how to be real. Mm -hmm. The testimony of your life in action Mm -hmm. is what shows what love or hate or selfishness is. Mm -hmm. Your life is a living, bearing fruit organism. It will produce something in your lifetime. As we're seeing in David's Psalm here, Psalm 12, he's seeing a whole lot of negative or rotten fruit in the world. But it got there somehow. Can we head it all off and stop evil from happening in this world? No. But we can stop evils by being the people that are willing to sacrifice. But we don't need to die on every hill. Mm -hmm. It's easy to be a zealot. Jesus' disciple group, he transformed them. They didn't stay zealots. They were consumed by a holy fire in Christ, not for him. Like they're standing outside being the right ones. They were devastated with the reality of God's presence and what he did for them, Mm -hmm. so much so that the love just poured out. Nobody stays a zealot, really, in the presence of God. He slays you, Yeah, you know? And something new grows there and makes us really complete. What comes of this is an awareness of so much better Mm -hmm. if evil was gone. Yeah, it would be. But we don't have to let evil reign, even in a world full of it. It doesn't need to be our king. And we could have a city of refuge right where we are if we invite his kingdom to be here. A very safe place. Interesting way to wrap up this particular psalm. We will jump to more of the Psalms of David in the weeks to come. We invite you to join us in that pursuit, that chasing of the word. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Write us at P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California. 92877. Or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.